Welcome to Revenue Champions, I'm Alice. And I'm John. We interview leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs in the B2B space. Giving you the inside tips, tricks, and hacks for you to grow and scale your B2B business today. Hello, and welcome to episode eight of our Revenue Champions podcast. This episode is the journey to revenue marketing leadership, your first 100 days. And today I'm really excited because I'm joined by Frank Brooks, Head of Marketing at Dot Digital. Frank and I go a long way back. We started our careers together um, at Thomson Reuters. We used to work into the, into the long nights, building QTM links, learning Facebook. I remember we set up the first ever Facebook account for, for Thomson Reuters Legal, and mainly just writing a lot of emails. So I guess we've come a long way since then, Frank. So welcome. Firstly, thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm really excited just to talk to you. I think kind of covering off the journey from from the Thomson Reuters days to now, where you're um, heading up a, t- a, re- a big team at Dot Digital. And yes, yeah, so to someone who doesn't know you that well, can you just start by giving us an intro into yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so as you mentioned, I'm Frank, and, and you quite um, nicely summarised um, where I started out. Just before I joined Thomson Reuters, I was um, my first marketing after after university was at a financial publisher called uh, CityWire, which is based in, in Vauxhall, and that was a real fun role of getting the the, the the ropes into marketing focused a lot on email so I learned a lot in a really short space of time and and, and um, really sort of catapulted me into into the ways of marketing and then and then went to, to Thomson Reuters and and went into sort of a marketing a senior marketing exec role there where I met you <laughs> on my first day and that was a, a definite um, an experience it's a job that I definitely um, feel I learned a lot from and um, I was there just uh, just nearly four years in the end of, of having relatively different <laughs> roles in my, even though a role didn't change our responsibilities and as marketers um we know that that's the, what we sign up for is not always what we end up doing um a few years later um but yeah in, incredibly diverse role and um, within um, sort of the legal space which uh, on paper Boring, but we tried to make it as, as exciting and fun as we ca- as we ha- um, as we could, and um, I know you said that we started some some stuff and really kicked um, the off to some great projects at, at TR, and then yeah, in in the summer, so in in lockdown of um, of, of last year, I I um, got given a job at, at Dot Digital, and, and I started there as a global demand gen manager, which is a, such an exciting role for me to to get a new challenge, especially um, in the midst of, of a pretty crazy year. And then about two months ago, I was I'm now put into a position where I'm, I'm sort of heading up marketing for the EMEA region, and I'm I'm about six weeks into it, so it's all incredibly whirlwind in the last couple of months. But um, yeah, this is where I am sort of right now. Amazing, and it's just I think it's really interesting for people who are either starting out their career as a leader in marketing to understand the the things that kind of get you into that position. And to look at how you actually go about that first marketing leadership role, because there's no handbook and no guide. And obviously it is different for every role that you go into. But hopefully we're going to cover a lot of it today and just come from both of our perspectives and Mm. give some tips and tricks along the way. I guess before we dive into that, if you could just give us a little bit of um, an intro into Dot Digital, what they do so that people understand kind of the type of business that you're working in. Of course, of course. So Dot Digital is a um, omni-channel marketing automation platform. So 
pretty much that's <laughs> I always say it's, uh, it says what it does on the tin but that that is, that is us we're sort of a fully functioning um starting out as a, an email service provider but so much more than email now introducing things like text message marketing push notifications retargeting chats all sorts that that create a an, an omni-channel experience for you to communicate with your customers um and and it's centered sort of in 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 that uh, in terms of trying to yeah driving and um, reporting driving roi um, we have some great um e-commerce integration so it's a real good product to, to sort of communicate and connect with with your customer base and, and grow your business amazing and how is your marketing team structured i like to ask this question because i think every team is different and it's just really interesting to see yeah what it looks like on the dot digital side yeah absolutely so we are we, we're structured at the moment and I know some of the stuff is in flux we're going through some 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 positive changes at the moment but at the moment we're sort of split into three three regions um so i'm um, sort of head of EMEA we have a head of americas which is predominantly North America, but also looking after LATAM as well. And we have a head of um, APAC marketing. So the three of us work in in sort of in in line to deliver on global initiatives. We also have quite a, a quite a robust uh, and diverse central global team. So we have a um, an online team who almost like a mini agency. They take requests from, from, from the rest of us in terms of websites, social media, paid platforms, anything that, that comes into the online or digital umbrella is looked after at that team. And that's our biggest team, um, really. How big is that team then? That team is is about five. Okay. Uh, it's, it's five. So we're not a huge team, actually. When you look at our reach and our responsibilities, we're definitely not huge in headcount. But um, the way that we're structured allows us to sort of work t- together and, and not necessarily siloed, even though traditionally you think a global team um, sitting at, sitting alongside uh, regional teams would be. But we, we have managed to overcome that. Um, and we'll probably get into more about how we've done that in, mm. in, as we progress. But um, that's sort of the, the biggest team. And then we do have... I look after our events team, so that's sort of feeding into to, to how we go, go to market. I also look after, um, we have a specific um, EMEA marketing team who look after a, what, what we're calling the EMEA continent, so anything not, not UK into Europe. That's mainly focused on Northern Europe, Benelux, the Nordics, but we do have um, some customers out, outside of those regions. And then finally, we have our, our sort of our brand team, which includes content so we have a couple of content execs and, and a head of content we have a strategy head of strategy insight gav who is the pretty much the face of dot digital so if anybody's seen any that we've produced gav's probably there is incredibly knowledgeable and, and a real influencer in the email space um, and then we also have sort of our design and, and creative services that, that go into there so i'm probably jazzing it up to sound a lot more than it is but i think it's only testament to the hard work that the team does but yeah that that's sort of us in a nutshell we are very, we're sort of a quite quite a flat team which I like because there's not many levels of hierarchy so we all sort of sort of muck in together and get stuff done which which is really good amazing um that's really interesting and I think this question is quite in, like a good one in terms of getting people to think so that's obviously how the structure of your team currently and like that's kind of what you've walked into or what's evolved since you've been in that role but asking a marketing leader like what would your first three hires be if you if you walked into a business where there is no one yet and what would their roles be I always find really interesting so like you could I know we used to you and I would sit up at night kind of guessing what their powers <laughs> would be, 
<laughs> structure we're going to input on our Thompson pointers and saying, oh, this is how we'd do it. We'd do X, Y, and Z. So um, this is this is the time, I guess, to for us to kind of put our two cents in and say how we'd, yeah, we would structure or start out. Yeah, that, that's that's such a good question, and and I definitely think we've I've got I'm definitely into into a tiz sometimes worrying about what what will be and, and what what can be. But in, if, from, from my point of view, and in terms of areas, and not just discarding seniority and, and, and experience right now in terms of sort of expertise and what that job role would, would three job roles would look like I definitely have somebody who is um, leading the the brand and the voice I think that's something that really is important to to, to a brand especially in in the tech space and, and uh, as you're sort of in, in highly competitive environments somebody that's sort of really helping to yeah like I said that that voice keeping the messaging fresh and being able to feed into some of that stuff. So a really um, a, a person who's just keeping it how, how it's evolving. And ultimately looking at how it's, your voice is deployed across all your different channels, how, how you're speaking is different on, on Twitter and Facebook, LinkedIn, even between those versus what you're saying in email, those that know you versus your prospects. So I'd have somebody that's sort of head of voice or, or, or voice of brand, that, that sort of thing is, I think is incredibly important. Second on from that, I would, have somebody running and 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 responsible for, for for social channels. I think that um, in the in the environment that we're in, like I said, it is relatively competitive. And um, there's a there's a there's other um, very similar organisations out there that, that can deliver partly what we can. Uh, we, I feel like we've got a, a more sort of superior solution, but that's just me. Obviously, I'm a bit biased. But you think you do also need to look at how you can differentiate yourself, and, and a way of doing that is on sort of your social media platforms. Having somebody responsible for not only a paid the paid element but also organic as well so just keeping sort of keeping all that that again a little bit back to that voice keeping things fresh looking at the different trends and I know you guys at Cognizant do do that very well so um looking at how, how, something that can just just push that and lead that um because I think it does take a dedicated resource mm. and finally I think that um I would be I would be I would be naive to say that needs somebody responsible for content. Um, content is uh, an incredible driver of uh, of um, brand awareness, net new names, prospecting. It helps you tell your story. It helps relate back to the product. So I think content does underpin, and I'm probably not. This isn't newsflash, especially maybe 15 years ago it would be content marketing, but now I think that we know how important content is. But you do need to have a good content strategy, keeping it fresh. And I think there's always one thing, there's always um, somebody once told me, I can't remember who it was, we've got to strike balance between finding content that people want to read and what they should be reading that you think that they should be reading. And that is, if you can get that right and, and try mm. and, and be a couple of steps ahead, you inspire as well as get delivering what they need right here and right now. So I think content, social social um, and growth and um, from platform point of view and and someone around voice which traditionally probably wouldn't look at, at, at what marketing is and then i think that then it's talked about for someone like me and, and similar to what i do now is is, is activate on on those three and, and push those people forward it's really interesting and actually like all of that resonates with me a lot in terms of what we've been feeling and seeing ourselves in our team right now which is Talking differently on each channel has never been more important. Like it's gone on the days where you can schedule a post, click Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and think like the jobs are good and like we're all good and dandy. And we've seen the value and the impact of having someone focused on trying different tactics on LinkedIn, then clearly monitoring the impact of those tactics and then building plan out for them specifically. And then doing the same for Instagram, 
and we haven't got to Twitter yet but I mean yeah like it's just a massive job in itself really not to even get me started on messaging which we're going through again a big process on because it's it's different regional as well so if you're operating in a global environment then you've got an even tougher job what we're learning like UK versus US you know we almost need like another whole website (laughs) so yeah it's really it's it's really interesting and and I couldn't agree more um with that and it's obviously a very different look and field team than you would have had well we would have had at Thomson Reuters back in the day or um yeah your traditional marketing team yeah sorry were you gonna no no yeah I was just gonna say I I guess I agree especially on that on that localization point of view and and then we've even seen that so we we very much I think we're definitely a trendsetter in terms of from an omni-channel point of view but for example in in some of our southeast asian offices and particularly singapore that word doesn't really doesn't resonate with them at all it's more Mm multi-channel so it's trying to strike that balance between you want to have a global identity and you want to be known as as we want to know as stop digital but in order to to connect and grow and, and establish yourself as a brand you sort of have to be able to shift and adapt accordingly and and sometimes that can be quite labor intensive and I think that's one of the things we potentially struggle with I know that there's tools out there that you can do and some of them that we use quite well and it is interesting how, how you sort of take that global message as, and soften it where you have to and and, and make so what, what are those tools just to jump in because I'm sure people will be li- listening will be interested yeah absolutely so one of the ones that we've used recently is, is a tool called Webio don't know if you, if you know about Webio yeah that's owned by Lead Forensics aren't they? yes yeah yeah so a website yeah. personalization tool owned by Lead Forensics so something that we've been using since it it was one of the first meetings I had when I started at, at Dot Digital was sort of signing the agreement with with our then marketing director. I think it's a really smart tool. So those that don't know, it's it creates personalised experiences based on um, certain sort of demographics. So for example, the simplest way would be sort of sector led. So um, a charity coming to our site would get some different logos, different imagery versus that of um, somebody in financial services or higher education. So tailored experience that layer over your website. So the, the theory is you're able to scale almost 100 different websites, but actually it's through one platform and through, through one, one website. So we've done things like that in terms of have had some challenges being from in the UK, we're all working from home and a lot of this stuff is done by IP targeting, although they do have other ways of doing it. We got off to a bit of a slow start because ultimately if we want to say when someone coming from Thompson Reuters, their IP address is, is mapped through the forensics and they are displayed a, a, a personalised experience. What we've done, tried to do then is, is say, okay, right, that's not changing right now, hopefully later this year in some capacity, but we, you never know. So let's go on some of those predetermined factors, i.e. location. So what we've tried to do is, is exactly that. We've softened the message in, say, Southeast Asia, and we've gone more multi-channel. Um, and, and it's almost it's like that. the logos is, is almost a given, like giving brands that are, are local to Australia or New Zealand. But also looking at sort of even like local faces, so having people that are from those offices so they're making some connections if they're talking to customer success managers or people that are there. It, it, it's using tools like that to, to do the work for you. Um, the, the, the caveat to that is that it takes a lot of upfront work and a lot of meetings things to discuss but I'm pleased to say that we we're trying to sort of scale that up now which is good but there's always room to, to grow and, and, and optimize I think I could talk about that forever but I realize time is not our friend today <laughs> so I'm gonna um move us on but yeah that's so interesting so the other question that I kind of want to ask because I know you have this focus very much in the same way that I do and I think there's the rise of this phrase the revenue marketer on that leading a team 
you know, demand gem being something you're focused on, I would be very interested to know, like, what are the numbers that keep you up at night? Now, I'm not talking the end revenue number, because obviously that is something that we all are driving towards and we're focused on. But I mean, the numbers that are the leading indicators that something might have shifted, that something needs looking at ASAP, that, you know, something needs work. So what are those numbers that you're looking at sort of day to day and that, yeah, you lose sleep over? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And to to simplify, because I think all of us um, come from, especially sometimes some SaaS businesses, we get a bit carried away with different acronyms. And, and what they actually mean for our business but um in in to, to, to simplify there, there's a couple of metrics that i check in on an hourly basis <laughs> so that we're doing okay um and they are we have um we we have something called we, we use microsoft dynamics so uh, it's definitely been an experience onboarding with that sort of coming from something like from from salesforce um however i've grown to sort of to love it now because i'm in it all the time but um w- what that means is that we've got sort of yeah i'd say we've got four key metrics that that I that I keep like I check in on one of them is what we call customer actions so things like engagements across the site whether that's um, registrations form fills anything where where people are interacting with our content and we're, and we're, we're taking that um, we're, we're taking that figure it's a good indication of, of top of the funnel and we're feeding in, in into that into that into that buyer funnel um, the second is what we call um, high intent actions. So taking that step further, things that that more like hand raises. So we categorize ours in, into a couple, but anything that we think, oh, this person's pretty interested, we call that high intent because it's, it's it's the intention is there to, to connect with sales. So have a figure on that, which is, is very much an indicator of, of how how we're performing. The, the next two are, are probably, um, the last two are probably small standards. So it's an MQL number, how many we're responsible for as a, as a, as a department to hand over to sales. And then finally, it's, it's sort of, I think the in, more industry Noel term, term is probably SQL we call them SRLs which is sales ready leads but sales qualified leads they're more sort of active opportunities that's my target it's about giving my sales team um, a healthy number of ready opportunities whether they all close win is a different story (laughs) where we have to work together to make sure they're the highest quality possible but in terms of that that's what I'm driving for is to give my sales team the best opportunities that they can then go on to to close so they're my four if you're looking at my dashboard they're my four things that go tick 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 uh, are we going along and if one of them is down then then there's also the end of the world and you can adapt but yeah they're they're my four that that if they were (laughs) if they were low then I would be um he would be up up all night trying to think of tactics to, to rectify that amazing and yeah I think that's just really important like to all of those want to be marketing leaders or new marketing leaders first things first set up a dashboard of the key metrics that you know are going to feed into the goal that you've been set by the business and the way that your marketing team is going to be measured and be checking that on a yeah. day-to-day basis and make sure you've got the processes and levers in place to action when you see things changing in a negative way. Super important. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I would say and that I've sort of learned recently is, is that it's not necessarily all about getting increasing volumes of all of that stuff in, in order to, to be that end output. Actually, sometimes you can take a hit on, for example, the, the, SR, um, the MQLs. If that SRL number is stays constant, then you can, you can afford to sort of see drops in other things. I would say 
don't get bogged down if your conversion rate drops, if your end output is still the same. And it's about working back from that. And we're going through a bit of a process at the moment where we're, we're almost ripping up our lead store model and, and starting again, because there's some instances where we've potentially been a bit too generous. Um, there's been too, too, too many that aren't quite ready to, to, to be qualified. So it might, it's probably going to mean in the next quarter that, that we take a bit of a hit on, on, on MQLs. But the theory is that we can, we, if we can work on that conversion rate to make sure that they are much better quality opportunities in the end run, that's what we're focusing on. So I would just say my advice is, and something that I've sort of really been taking in the, in the past couple of months is, is not necessarily getting bogged down with specific figures, but if you've got your end goal, um, you can work at, at sort of some of those conversion rates and that's where you, your nuggets of gold will be. Yeah, and it's really interesting, actually. Um, like the leadership at, at Cognizant are very focused on what we call, like this is your SRO or S srls is our sqo which are sales qualified opportunities and having velocity running through there what's quite interesting is have been digging into the numbers a lot recently is not all sqos are created equally now obviously that means there's a problem with our qualification from an mql into an sqo and that needs to be we need to tighten that up so that there are not these huge gaps between different sqos basically and it actually is also dependent on channel so we very much factor in a different conversion rate on sqo to close one based on the channel because there's clear differences so that's the other thing to be looking at as well and i think we're finding more and more that they are not all created equal so there's nuances to everything i mean you could get bogged down in the numbers but all of that is definitely stuff to be looking at and keeping an eye on okay so i guess moving on you're now in your was it six weeks in you're saying to the new role is that right Yes, yes, started 1st of December, so six weeks. Yeah, so what does your first 100 days kind of roadmap look like? What have you focused on first slash, you know, what are you going to be focusing on the first 100 days? It's obviously a bit different for you because you're not, you haven't moved business, you've just moved like internally, but I guess it's still the same. So I'd be really interested to hear. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, obviously um, with, with the, the COVID situation that's still um still troubling us all in some respects and the b word um that some of that if i was in a coming to this from a traditional sense i probably would have done slightly differently but i think in terms of if i was to say my top three things i'm trying to work out at the moment is one is 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 budget that's something that we all have to address um especially um looking at how we can continue to invest in the channels that are working and it's marketing 101 isn't it invest in in what works and 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 um, optimize uh, to make sure you get the most out of it but going through working with the team about how we can invest more specifically rather than just saying put more money in this it's how do we um, make sure that we're creating a more competitive bid strategy on our PPC ads? How can we break out our social um, channels to make sure we're not just, uh, it's not one size fits all. Are there any specific personas that are, that are, that are better, more likely to be better wins for us? Are we doing more retargeting? So it's just talking within, not necessarily shifting budget from one pot to the other, is, is how do you sort of optimize within within those pots? That's been a big thing. That's what I'm doing at the moment. And, and that sort of ties into overall planning, which is around sort of what we're executing on the next six months we're quite peculiar in the sense that our financial year runs from july to june so actually i'm in the second half now in jan so i'm planning for q3 and q4 which is something i'm still trying to get away saying <laughs> but um yes and so part of that budget planning is is, is how we get on for, for the second half of the year so that's the, the the main part that's what i'm focusing on right now um the second is is sort of what i alluded to earlier when i was talking about potential hires is around voice 
Um, so we're looking at what is our identity as, as dot digital and, and making sure that we're clear about our go to market and our value proposition. So I'm trying working with the team to um, and I think it's 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 a bit of a double edged sword. I've got some really great ideas and, and stuff that's stuck because I'm relatively new. Some of that stuff we have done before and, and maybe not quite. So there's some optimizations done there. But then ultimately, you don't necessarily know the legacy of, of, of what while you're there. So I'm doing a lot of learning, going around the business, speaking to key members of the leadership team and, and all those sorts of people to, to get a feel for, for this business and how we can change the voice to make sure it's the most relevant in, in 2021. And then the final part is something that I am incredibly passionate about is about account-based marketing. And I've um, just working with the team to really to kick off our, our pilot of account-based marketing, hopefully by the end of this month. That's something that we've done in the past, Digital's done and done well. We've had to evolve slightly because we're in more of a digital world and, and, and being remote. Previously, we've done a lot of gifting and then that sort of surprise gifting to offices. We've had to sort of flip that on its head a bit. But yeah, I'm really excited. So we're going to go sort of to market with a five sector ABM campaign, uh, a bit of a one, a one to few element that we're looking to scale. But yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. There's been a lot of, of work trying to get all of our sector specific content, build out our program, our campaign programs and, and think about all these different ways of targeting these these, these accounts. So they're my three things is, is around its budget it's it's that that voice and then this 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 abm campaign i want to get that from running i'm going to go off script and kind of go away from some of these questions just because i want to talk about the abm piece because i feel like this is really interesting so i'm actually so split on my feelings for abm because i i a lot of part of me is like abm is actually just b2b marketing done well but i know there is obviously when you're talking enterprise abm one to few then it's it is very different but the, everyone you speak to has like a different answer on this but like what does your so what does your abm pilot involve look like how many accounts are you targeting talk me through it very interesting yeah definitely and and that's so funny that you say that because i think yeah and if we were in this sort of marketing utopia that actually abm is just very smart b2b marketing now that's it is um it gives a sort of a funny subject um to, to sort of work out and I, and I think that the beauty of it is is there isn't there isn't one right answer and i think that's what people listening need to realize is that um you don't have to there isn't a rule book there's so much content especially in the last couple of years i've been on courses i've read books i've, I've really tried to get a bit nerdy with it and then I, do you know what it doesn't matter. It's not necessarily right or wrong. I'll just do what's right for my business right now. And you can always change it. So, but but to the question in hand, what does that look like? So we uh, just trying to explain it in a way that that, that, that makes sense, but in a simplistic way, I've, I've sort of bucketed it into, into three. The first is this sort of pilot stage, our phase one. We've picked five key industries that are that, that, that dot digital not only um, have a good client base in, but also using things like Webio and the lead forensic data to work out the types of customers that are coming to our site. So, for example, we've got things like financial services, charities is a big one for us, higher education. Some of them at the moment are in a bit of an influx, but 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 we are going to market with, with a message. So, uh, what we're going is going for five. The, we've got a probably twenty accounts. Uh, purse is about 250 for our pilot and we're activating across all multiple different channels and um, we've got some destination landing pages where we'll be pushing that will house the content and and there's some other sort of stories that we've got coming out, out the back of that so our, our pilot is to, to go to market with around 250 accounts on in, in split into five different verticals and how many personas are you targeting at those accounts 
This is very this is very good question and something that I'm for working at. We, we're probably looking at around two or three. I've been working with our product marketing team to develop our persona work. And I think the, the trouble is, 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 is striking the balance between awareness and, and, and trying to get your brand in front of the right people versus contacting those people that, that are already known to you. So obviously we want to, um, to, to consider that the, the seniority. So obviously for us, we're looking at, at sort of almost the likes of me and you um, decision decision makers in in marketing who are have their sort of eye on on the tech and ultimately a lot of our a lot of um, digital customers come from that small SME base where they're some person that the marketing might not even fall in one person that might be responsible for for something else as well so we have got some good personas that we are targeting but what I've tried to do is actually take a step back from that and thinking do you have to be a, a head of marketing or a CMO to understand what our proposition can do not really because if that is done we're going to treat our audiences as being more mature or being more highly educated headed in marketing than they need to be I think it's about keeping it simple making sure that yes we've got the additional content to, to to put in front of any tech teams or API teams or, or CRM teams, but actually it's a bare bones messaging. It's around something that's one size fits all. So we're focused more on sector content rather than persona led content, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting. Amazing. So what, I guess, what's gonna be the biggest, actually, I'm not gonna ask that question, the biggest challenge for you this year, because I think we've covered a lot of the stuff you're focused on and you're looking at, and I know that we haven't got loads of time. So I think one question that I get asked a lot is, as a leader, how much of your time are you spending contributing versus managing? And how, in an ideal world, like how would you like that to look? I think this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Like there's a lot out there about how, if you're CMO or head of like your marketing leader, your job should be to hire people who are smarter than you, you know, most, most of your time hiring or doing budgets and talking to leadership and you shouldn't really be contributing. I completely disagree with that, but mm-hmm. I'm just interested to hear what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, it's, it's so true, isn't it? And, and that's a, a real and um, an interesting topic. I mean, as you may remember from, from our Thompson Reuters days, is that the reason I think I stayed so long in, in, a, in a contributing role, should we say, is because I just love that element of marketing. I love the doing. I love the coming up with the concepts. I love going to, to market, seeing if it works. I love, I even, like, I'm involved with writing Facebook posts, writing emails. I still do a lot of that now. Probably a bit too much for right now in terms of the, the, the new role. But as we as we're developing and as we're sort of moving into to, to the new world, that that is the requirement of me right now. But I think at the moment I'm probably let's say uh, 80-20. So 80% I'm doing a lot of doing, a lot of planning, a lot of um, actually um, writing stuff, contributing, and around about sort of like 20% of of hand to hand managing, coaching, developing, spending time one on um, on one on ones. I would really like that to shift to sort of um, realistically for our business. Hope would probably be 60-40. I think I probably am going to have to spend 60% of my time contributing, whether that's as simple as writing posts and, and coming up with creative, but it is, it, is, it is a different matter. But actually, that's the thing I enjoy. That's what keeps me in front of, in the market, thinking about what our message is and getting involved with that. But ultimately realising that that part of that role is about leadership. It's about, uh, it's about coaching. It's about problem solving. It's about developing a team that can support you on that. It's funny that you say that. I would just hate, and I'm very privileged in this role, that it's not 
bit been that case to just take a step out of marketing and just end up managing people. Now, that could be because of the size of the business and some businesses have got no choice but to, to manage managers. And as you shoot up in bigger organisations, you have got much, much choice. But I think that's why I'm so happy with, with, with the size of business that we've got and the team that we've got, that I can still keep my keep my ear to the ground and keep my creative cap turning and coming up with sort of ideas for, for posts and hashtags and email ideas and design. I mean, I'm even sort of designing some creative as well, because I just think it keeps you, keeps you young. <laughs> I like, couldn't agree more. And I think for me as well, like the big thing is often I'll be doing stuff, which I'll never show to the team. Like it would never, it would never make it as far as the team because I don't want to distract them from the work that I want them prioritizing and need them to do so an example of that would be like right now I'm translating the website I mean I don't speak German so I'm not actually physically translating it but I am creating all the multi-language pages I'm working with the translator to translate the full website into into German and I don't want that distracting my team at all because it goes to no targets it goes to no growth right now obviously this is something for the future but I think sometimes as well, it's like about taking on those tasks where you don't want to distract the team and you, you don't have the luxury of loads of resources and you have, you know, a fast paced company and you're trying to grow really quickly. Sometimes you've just got to say, right, I'm taking that and I'm going to own it and just keep it away from the team. Similarly, last year, I just ran the website project myself because I didn't want my team distracted on that because the value wasn't straight away. You know, that kind of those kind of things. I think if you're a leader and you're thinking about where you want your team focused, and what's going to deliver the greatest value fastest then you helps give you a steer on what you should probably keep for yourself and do and then also what you know what you should like give out to the team so yeah I guess that from my perspective that's often the battle that I have but I also completely like completely agree and often will write posts come up with messaging or will or write emails for nurtures or like if a team's overloaded you know I'll just get a get a flow up you know get that gated piece of content out whatever it takes really but again it does depend on business size but I think the message that we've both kind of echoed is for me if you're going to lead a team of marketers and you're going to want to always be pushing the boundaries and thinking then you should be too and doing is a great way of ensuring that you are yeah absolutely the only thing I would add to that is, is taking some time out whenever you can it is to is to sort of try and educate yourself and keep yourself learning as well like taking stuff offline and looking at different sort of webinars and stuff I know we're incredibly busy but even just sort of taking something to to, to read or, or downloading something to, to to help you with your own personal development I think there's sort of sometimes there's a sense of pride once you're in a a kind of senior position is to well I must know everything now I, I can't I've got the capacity to learn anymore and that's definitely not the case half of that can come from from doing and, and learning from that sense but I definitely would recommend sort of just keep interacting with other content looking at brands that inspire you just keep yourself trying to, to keep yourself learning because at the end of the day like as you develop as a person you'll develop as a manager and a leader as well a hundred percent I mean my team will testify that I'm always sharing stuff and stealing things from other people very little is my own idea <laughs> so uh, I mean um, always what, why, why reinvent the wheel if it's out there it's just about it's all it's, it's just about sort of making it work for, you, for your business and, and and that's the sign of a efficient and lean leader I think is is, is being able to interpret other stuff and, and take inspiration and action stuff quickly rather than taking everything to sort of committee and and things get a bit bogged down don't you <laughs> definitely I think the other thing that's quite interesting on that this point and this will be our last sort of point probably that we could cover today but I think a lot of aspiring leaders 
are often struggle they they say like for time to learn and this is an interesting one and so something that I'm trying to carve out as an initiative for my team at Cognizant is to get approval for them to have a day every six weeks I've kind of gone in I feel like that's a reasonable ask from a business to get offline well they could obviously be online because that's how they're probably going to do their learning but get offline from the day-to-day job um no meetings it's we're all obviously going to take the same day and this is for every level of the team and to just have that time where we are saying to you as a business go and learn and we want you to bring back something from that to come back into the team and and talk to the team about but this is your time to go and like upskill yourself whatever it is that you need to do take time to strategy headspace out of meetings whatever it is and that that's actually an expectation not even you know and and the business is saying it's okay to do it and that's I think it's just because it just feels to me like there's just a always time is the blocker because you could just get six ads up live or you could listen to a podcast and yes some of us do a lot of that outside of work in the evenings and at weekends but we can't expect that's not kind of harm me an expectation so I think that's just something to think about potentially if you're a leader or an idea for aspiring leaders or a business I think giving that time to your employees is, is always going to be really valuable. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And that's such a great initiative. I think we, um, we I think that there's a couple of interesting points there. One is, I think, even just the the, the offer of, of, of showing that you're investing in their professional and continued development is is just that builds up that level of trust. You're investing in them as people. And, 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 and it really helps to say they I want you to develop as much as I want the business to be successful. I think that's 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 key. And I think the other point is, is yes, it's talking about giving them empowering your colleagues and um, to learn and, and to develop and, and giving them the tools to do so like we've just recently we totally our HR departments relaunched our, our learning and development platform we've gone with a company called Udemy and it's just got this suite of all sorts of stuff and, and half of it isn't even related to, to marketing you can learn I don't know how to bake banana bread portal that that is provided for by 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 dot digital so i think regardless if you're in a marketing leadership role or or whatever you are it's just investing in that continued development and and taking time out from from work from a mental health point of view as well i think that just trying to not get bogged down in 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 your day-to-day and try and learn about something that you that that inspires you and, and, and even if it's not related back to your role i think you'll find the benefit in the long run so I love that idea. I might have to steal that from you, Alice. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I wouldn't wouldn't have thought anything less. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know me, I never reinvent the, reinvent the wheel. <laughs> I just remember that was like the motto at TR. It's like, that, can we, should we see that email? Because we may as well not reinvent the wheel, you know. <laughs> uh, well, you're, so you're at law firms and I'm in house law. That, that's an easy switch. No problem. <laughs> Same to say, right? Emails. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Well, it's been, I wish we could talk longer because there's so much to cover. Um, I hope people have found this conversation interesting, though. We'll have to talk to Frank again because I don't think we've covered half the questions I had um, I had down to talk to. But thank you, Frank, so much. It's been great catching up, learning all about your amazing career and how quickly you've progressed. And yeah, I hope, and there's some brilliant advice in there for aspiring revenue marketers um, and those people starting out in their first leadership role. So thanks very much. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been great chatting with you. And yeah, I think if anyone's sort of got any questions, feel free to add me on LinkedIn or, or it'd be great to hear feedback about any other challenges that you guys have been having. And yeah, let's let's connect in, in a year's time and see how this has all gone and, and hopefully out of what those new challenges are. And, and, and yeah, that'd be really, really exciting. Amazing. Thanks, Frank. Oh, thank you.